0: Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media and a contributing columnist on CIO.com. Twice a month, we produce this video show and podcast streaming live to you on LinkedIn and onto IDG's Tech Talk channel on YouTube. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco, the worldwide leader in technology that powers the Internet. Cisco is out there inspiring new possibilities by reimagining your applications, securing your data, transforming your infrastructure, and empowering your teams for the future. Learn more about what they're up to at newsroom.cisco.com. We welcome all of our viewers today to join in this conversation with questions of your own. We'll be watching for those. Our social media editor, Michelle Davidson, will be keeping an eye on the feed and will be doing her best to pass your questions along to my guest today. And I'm very pleased to be welcoming John Marcanti, who is the global CIO and a managing director at Vanguard. As a member of Vanguard's senior executive team, John reports directly to the Vanguard chairman, Tim Buckley, and he oversees all aspects of worldwide technology. Vanguard, you may have heard of, it is one of the world's largest investment management companies with more than $7 trillion in assets under its care at 19 locations worldwide. The company is out there serving a client base of roughly 30 million globally. And that includes individuals like you and me, and institutional investors, and financial advisors, and global investors. As a 28-year veteran of Vanguard, John started out in the technology organization, but then started moving around in executive roles through many of Vanguard's businesses, including its high net worth business, asset management, and financial advice. And then he came back to technology in 2012 as the global CIO. John serves as a member of Vanguard's innovation board and was a founding member of its innovation studio. Among his numerous honors and accolades over a very distinguished career, John has recently been awarded Philadelphia CIO of the Year for 2020. He also writes occasionally and blogs for the Enterprises Project, which is an online community focused on CIO and leadership topics. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today was the subject of his latest piece just a few weeks ago on how to help your organization think like a startup. John, welcome. It's so great to have you here.
1: Well, thank you, Mary Fran. It's an honor to be here with you. And you know, this CIO community loves you. So for many, many years, it's great to reconnect with you, too.
0: Well good it's such a mutual admiration society I can't even tell you let's let's launch into this discussion kind of a, I love to I love to head up into the clouds to that 30,000 foot view and talk about but very specifically about the way business and technology have been so deeply integrated not only during your career at Vanguard but actually throughout the organization itself uh, tell us let's start out talking about that
1: yeah. It's a, it's a topic I'm really passionate about. And I, I think today more than ever, you know, I, I've had a long career and you, you embarrassed me by going through most of that, but mm-hmm. uh, a long career. And I think we remember the times where technology, you know, was used a lot for efficiency and cost and productivity and all those things. And it's still, still the number one, you know, uh, provider for those types of services. But, you know, today, Today, technology and, and corporate strategy are really interwoven. They're the same. I mean, yes. technology is the disruptor of, of our time, and you know, mm-hmm. technology leaders have to be passionate about the business, and business leaders have to be passionate about technology and understand what technology can enable. And uh, so, you know, for years, you, you had boards and senior teams not really talking. API, the API economy, cloud, microservices—that's just not true today, which is which is incredible. So um, I, I would I would say now just turning this to Vanguard, like why, like what what matters, what makes um, what makes that connection for business leaders really to be passionate about technology, and technology leaders really to be passionate about the business. What makes it is there's a shared level of accountability. Uh, today because it okay. is about corporate strategy. And and I've been in many sessions that, you know, there's only a few of us that uh, work for the chairman, but the reality is many sessions around Vanguard where, you know, one of my peers will sacrifice capital mm-hmm. or talent, their best talent to actually go from their business to an enterprise initiative or to another business. Yeah. And I, I would say a couple secrets to that. One is, You know, if you want to encourage that, uh, Tim has us write, Tim Buckley, our chairman, has us write our enterprise goals together. So we as a team actually carve enterprise goals. Mm -hmm. And then the the, the second thing, or maybe the last thing I'll say, because I can talk forever, Mary Fran, you know me well. The last (laughs) thing I say is Vanguard comes with a very uh, rotational culture. You went through my experience. And I have to say that I wouldn't have planned my career that way. I don't know who taps the the geek, uh, tech geek on the shoulders and say, go run businesses with PL and then you know come back. But uh, it's been a massive rotational culture at Vanguard. And that 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 plays into being able to turn your business hat or your, you know, your myopic hat on your business or or your work to what's good for clients, what's good for the organization at large.
0: Well, and it, it's great, too, because I know over the years we've talked about this a lot, that it's one thing to talk about business strategy and technology being all aligned together and, and operating jointly, but it's a whole other thing to actually embed it in the culture. And that, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen without kind of everybody on that same team.
1: Yep, for sure
0: so the let me see i wanted to i really enjoyed the piece that you wrote um a few weeks ago for the enterprisers project and it it was how to help your organization think like a startup so uh, you had a couple of takeaways you mentioned there about embracing that startup mentality and corporate strategy let's talk about a few of those to begin with Um, why is an organization as large and successful as vanguard concerned about still keeping a startup mentality tell me kind of from your perspective why that's been so important
1: yeah yeah and I'll, I'll take you through maybe our journey a bit you know um i i think bill so so tim buckley we we talked about the rotational uh nature of vanguard tim at one point in his career was the chief information officer star so chairman was the chief information officer the chief investment officer and the head of retail all prior to becoming that the chairman but I remember a time where Bill McNabb was our chairman. I was reporting to Bill and so was Tim Buckley as the chief investment officer and Bill, Bill, I don't know, maybe this must have been almost a decade ago, ended up taking us all you know, offsite. We'd go offsite and, and one memorable moment, we went out to the west coast, we spent time with venture capitalists, we spent time with startups mm-hmm. and we spent time with people in tech, leading tech companies. And one of the things, you know, back then that we were enamored with, which was how people worked and the speed by which they, they were getting things done. So just those two things, how they were working and the speed by which they, they got things done. We 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 came back after that and we were convinced that we needed to adopt and really go through what we now call all of us in the industry, digital transformation. We needed Mm -hmm. to adopt agile, We needed to adopt cloud computing. We needed to empower, and not just the technical pieces, we needed to empower cross functional teams. We needed to move from product or from project orientation to product and journey orientation. And then that kind of accelerated for us when we implemented Lean in our largest retail operations group, which we had this tremendous impact on productivity. But I think more importantly, more important than productivity, we had a huge impact. Both the agile and lean movement at Vanguard early on, on employee engagement, how engaged people were.
0: Yeah.
1: Today, that's an agenda across the company. It's something we call new ways of working. And if you went anywhere today, if you went to marketing, marketing is now, you know, organized in agile pods and focused on outcomes
0: right well and and i know that those terms have been used so often in in our industry is when and i often heard lean referred to in a manufacturing sense when you think about lean and the way it works at vanguard uh, what is is there something significantly different about that in a financial services arena i i
1: don't i don't think so you know it, it is a uh, you know, what, so what did all these terms encompass? Like, I, you know, I, I try to keep things simple when I'm talking to people when they ask me questions about agile, lean, digital transformation. Yeah. You know, it is a cha- So anything worth changing in life has, of course, the old adage of people, process, and technology. Yeah. And if you started, if you just start with, it, in order for teams to move fast and experiment and learn, you have to focus on first the technology piece like you can't tell someone to be fast and agile and put a cross functional team together and tell them to go do things when you are doing monthly or quarterly releases of software to clients right right you have to be able to be nimble and and quick so so first technology the second piece to any definition like this digital transformation agile lean is mm-hmm. the way you cross functional empowered teams outcome oriented Teams, right. which means that they have the same uh, they have the same objectives and goals. Mm-hmm. That's different for IT. Remember, we grew up in the cost, time, meaning schedule, go-through. ROI of
0: the project. Yeah. That's-
1: ROI, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reality is that's not what you want a team to be focused on. You want a team to be focused on cycle time, or increased revenue, or sales lead. You know things yeah. that really matter, and you want them to to move fast, and then and then the people aspect of this is just moving the organization then from you know to pr- true product ownership or journey ownership end to end looking yes. at your processes from the lens of the client and the last thing I'll say is like that sounds really simple it's not <laughs> not yeah. simple it takes time it's and and you've got to be willing to attack the system so yeah. what I mean by that is like boy there's a lot of friction points to these things it's mm-hmm. finite. You can't be so you can do all this and then your budgeting system is broken and you, you're you not budgeting in a way that that enables you to be or enables you to be agile or legal or compliance or HR is about sometimes your processes are rewarding individuals versus teams. So, yeah. so there's a lot to think about, but it's a it's a journey. So that's how I would describe what we would call digital transformation in the industry.
0: Okay. Well, and I I remember when we were getting ready for this interview and talking about this, I had my own aha moment there where you started talking about the importance of setting up your agile infrastructure first and then addressing the culture piece. And what you've seen a lot of your comrades and colleagues in the CIO space doing is kind of the reverse, where it starts with a big talk up and everybody starts doing the culture piece of it. And then they start trying to fix those processes that are not lined up.
1: Yeah, it's a great. It's a great point. I had a, a friend of mine who uh, came. Uh, he also leads technology at a company. He was fairly new at the company, and he was um, he was challenged to implement Agile. And um, so he said, "Listen, like I, I want to talk to you. We here's our thought. Here's how we're approaching. You know, we believe in the cross-functional mm-hmm. thing." You know, there's a couple of lessons learned that, that we've made, I would say mistakes we've made that yeah. I I could share. The first mistake was, um, yeah, or at least lesson was, yeah, um, you have to build the agile infrastructure. The technology has to be there. And only you only really have to ask one question. And the question is like, how hard is it to deploy software to real clients? Because if you can't deploy software quickly, Mm-hmm. to real clients can't enable those teams you know so we so we, we talked about that we talked about implementing mm-hmm. pipelines mm-hmm. and you know automation cicd capabilities the second one is is even harder so if you had asked me what the hardest thing is and you you mentioned it mary fran before it's the cultural change it's yeah. like and and here I, I give credit because remember this isn't an IT thing. This isn't a technology. Thing. This is an enterprise movement for Vanguard, and we started with training leaders that the role of the leader has to change. So we went instead of new ways of working first, we went to new ways of leading. So the exactly. role of the leader becomes yeah. less autocratic and more focused. And I, I think the the final thing for us was like remember it's an enterprise journey, so you got to bring the whole enterprise.
0: Yeah. So. Yes. I, I told well, you,
1: fuck. I'll, I'll shut up there, Mary. <laughs> <Let you go. laughs>
0: no, no, no. I, Oh, come on, John. We could listen to you all day. You know, We, we got a whole hour. In fact, we have a question now yes. from our alert yes. and uh, listening and watching awesome. audience and it's a good one. It's the financial services industry has been, I think just in general, reluctant to embrace remote work in the past. In a post-pandemic world, how are firms differentiating themselves when most of their teams may be remote for, you know, an an indeterminate amount of time going forward? I'll bet, you know, usually I start out with that sort of pandemic era type question and we got we got off on another interesting track. But I'm uh, I'm sure that's something that's very front and center and something you think about at Vanguard. So what would you say to that?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, listen, I think um, the world, I'm, I'm going to talk the world and not financial services for, for a second, but the world has woken up that, um, you know, the, there's a lot of pain has come out of the pandemic, but the reality is, you know, there are a lot of integration of work and life and community mm-hmm. and self, you know, all of those things being important pieces and over the last, you know, 15, 18 months, we have seen really good things. In fact, we, I think true for everyone, you, you started to see this tremendous productivity. If you looked at productivity just, just in technology for a second, and you looked at how how often do you deploy software? That's one of our measures, you know, for how mm-hmm. often do we deploy software to real clients? And, you know, that's a benefit. That's increased 200% in the last two years at Vanguard. So. There wow. is goodness. Now, I think we have to wake up. There's goodness to working remote and people integrating their lives. At the same time, there is also goodness in being able to collaborate in person. Yeah. And I think I think we uh, where leaders go wrong is they don't listen and they make a decision to go down one path and, and and they don't get the feedback. And I and I think here what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out what is the right balance. of giving people the the future is more flexibility but we still need the collaborative you know we we still need to work as a team together so i I think also like how you treat people during the pandemic was really really important and Mm -hmm. we um there's a couple things that won't change uh we blew through so many new HR processes. Uh, <laughs> you know, unbelievable, unbelievable. So from setting up a crew relief fund for crew that were going in hardship. So that was new, a new fund. If your spouse lost your job, you could you can draw down on the crew relief fund. Increased sick leave, caregiver leave, child leave for those children under 13. We need to we need to move at that pace. We need to continue to move at that pace and adopt the flexibility that we had in the pandemic and then figure out you know post pandemic how can we
0: mm-hmm. we
1: create those collaborative environments we used to have too because there's goodness there too
0: yeah. Well, and of course, when you were, you were referring to crew, that's what you call employees or the people that work for Vanguard, more than 17,000 of them, right, around the world. And they are crew. I uh, I, I find that very, uh, it's very interesting because I it's the same way airline CIOs refer to the people that are flying their airplanes.
1: Yeah, everything's nautical at Vanguard. It comes from Jack Vogel, our founder. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, everything's nautical at Vanguard. So mm-hmm. we work out in ship shape, we eat in the galley, you know.
0: <laughs> oh you do, <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> um yeah, for sure.
0: Okay. Well circling back a little bit to that um you know, everybody's fascinated with I think huge corporate big name global companies that managed to infuse that startup feeling and in that in the article that you wrote you you talked about uh, making sure tech leaders understand competitive position and strategy that was you know that makes sense the cross-functional agile teams we mentioned but you also pointed out rebuilding key platforms with a green field approach and from all my years at Computer World and then at CIO magazine, greenfield approach used to be what everybody tried to avoid uh, because it sounded so expensive. So talk about why that has become a much more viable strategy.
1: Yeah, and I think this will tie into the other conversations that w- we've had. And you know, what's what's interesting is I'm often on panels or calls with other CIOs and Inevitably, the conversation goes to, well, how do you get, the, how do you build the case? Mm-hmm. And, it, and you fill in the blank, Mary Fran. How do you build the case for AI? How do you build the case for cloud computing? Like, how do, how do you build the case? And um, I, I really do believe that the role of technology is to integrate and deliver the strategy of the company. The company has a mission and a strategy. And the technology's mission isn't any different other than it is the key enabler of that. Nice. So let's go back to it's not about selling the case because so often, just take cloud computing, for example. So often it's about, okay, well, is it about cost? Can I save money? You know, is it about five, nine availability? Well, yeah, you can design five, nine availability in the cloud. Is sure. it, so it's, maybe it's about resiliency. Maybe it's about um, deployments and productivity and how fast, The technology teams can move. Mm -hmm. And the reality is like that stuff, I think is the wrong place to start. The place to start is a greenfield opportunity. Can you build something that's really important to the business Mm -hmm. and you can build it in a way that's cloud native and you can take advantage of all the things that come with cloud native technologies, but you're delivering on a key piece for the business. Let them feel it. And once they feel it, you don't need to make the case. The case gets accelerated for you because yeah. there's no business leader, there's no CEO, there's no CFO that doesn't want to be able to, you know, deliver some capability. We we talked earlier about advice, global mm-hmm. advice, and I can run through an example there. But the reality is, no no CFO, C- CEO, CIO um, will give up the or the benefit of actually seeing something live and seeing how fast you can react to clients and how fast you can make change and how much you scale and how how cheap it actually is to launch in a new market once you do it correctly. So uh, anyway, I would say start Greenfield, do this on an important thing and yeah. the rest fall in place. You will you will get people asking you to refactor legacy environments.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, and so many CIOs are still saddled with, of course, I, I hear it referred to as technology debt. And yeah. it's just and I'm sure I'm sure that term makes everybody tighten up in the financial industry. Yeah. The, um, uh, let me see. Uh, we've got another question from our audience and it's about and this I know, is one of your favorite topics on inducing te- cultural change. And can you really can you in, induce it by addressing leaders only, which I think you said you don't do that? But were there pilot agile units of people with the right mindset showing and paving a secure path for the rest of the folks to walk along?
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a firm believer of of two things. One, um, you 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 have to change the way you lead first because leaders can't be autocratic. You know, we we talk about. Moving from you know perfection to progress—that's really important. Um, you know, from directing to serving. I think that's important because then you then you 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 have the ability to do the change management through the organization. But that's only the first step. You do this is a ground, you know, a a, a ground movement. Um, you know, we're talking about cross-functional teams that have the same. Objectives and those objectives are stated in business terms or outcomes at cycle time. And I'm also a a firm believer, having come, you know, long time developer, uh, straight out of uh, high school into college, into GE, uh, you know, at the time, uh, a firm believer, and then moving to the business, that when you go through a change, you should sandbox it. You should. Do exactly what this question is all about. You should set it up. You should watch it. You should mm-hmm. not let it out of a sandbox until it actually <laughs> is working. The worst thing you want to do is have some you, you, worst thing you want to do is have something, so have an idea and then go big bang. The reality is big yes. bang doesn't work. You need to iterate your way. Mm-hmm. No CEO, CIO can say, we'll be agile in six months, and that's the way to approach this. That's top down. It doesn't work. What works is people actually believing it. And then let the people who go through the change tell the story. It's more powerful for someone who's gone through the change than me to tell the story. For them to say, this is what my world was like before this. yeah, And this is what my world looks like now.
0: Well, and you probably have some great stories about pleasant surprises that people discovered along the way. And then something that really didn't work, but you were able to kind of speedily deal with it. Um, you've got you're such a great storyteller. Tell us one of those about, especially about something that you tried and then you thought, oh, oh. this isn't working. Let's do something different.
1: Well, this was the, this was one of these. So I'll I'll just go to one of the early pilots. So okay. so we'll, we'll, we'll put it in our practice. Here's a real life example of one of the early, you know, agile pods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go time before this. Here's the goal. You know conversion rate it's an important measure you know people are shopping today whatever industry you're in they're shopping they're looking at your company um and you know a lot of them fall out of the funnel now sometimes Mm -hmm. you you figure out why they fall fall, but a lot of them fall out of the funnel so one of the biggest things you can do as an organization is increase the conversion rate that the the bottom of the funnel actually gets wider that's one of the things that is, is huge Um, And we had tried this, Mary Fran, I actually built online capabilities and Mm -hmm. spent millions of dollars trying to solve these problems. So on the third try, on the third try, this was years ago, on the third try, it was like we just spent millions of dollars on these web capabilities, mobile capabilities, and the rate of conversion is not changing. Wow. So that was one of the first pilots for Agile. And uh, yeah. lean. So we we put a cross-functional team together. We said, listen, like we can't solve this problem. We spent millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and then you know, the team's like, well, what's our budget? And it's like, listen, to increase the rate by like four percent or two percent, you have a, it's an immense budget. That's an immense over thirty million. That's an immense yeah. uh, benefit company. So you got what you need. We will fund you along the way. Mm-hmm. Go. And they started making all kinds of changes. Now, they made process changes. They made wow. technology changes. They made language changes. They made, So a lot yeah. of their changes incrementally moved the conversion rate. Where efforts before that, millions of dollars before that. By the way, people like me saying, uh, I think I have the answer to this. We need a new web capability. Right. We fit we failed until the team actually could move quickly and pilot their way into it. And, and by the way, they made lots of mistakes too. They made a lot of changes that didn't matter, but the few that, that they made matter actually moved the conversion rate.
0: Well, and that's always the thing about innovation. Everybody loves the word, you know, the I word. I, I'm always saying that when I put together agendas for our different events or CIO events, we would talk about business strategy, leadership, and innovation. And those are kind of three no-fail topics. Everybody loves to discuss them, but it's so hard to put your uh, to put your finger exactly on how you're going to get to innovation or innovating anything without some falling on your face and some things that don't work. And one of the, the, the greatest jewels when I could get it was someone to get on stage and talk through an example of something that didn't work and how they fixed it and then all the great things that came out of it. Um, it's just, we, do, we call them, we used to, I think we did a cover story in CIO Magazine years ago, you know, and it was about the F word, the F word being failure. That mm-hmm. you know, you know when it was when it was good to talk about failure, and that's always been something. I, I think we're hearing more of that now. I mean, you just told us a very candid story about it, and that is so helpful. I think to uh, to your colleagues.
1: Well, I, I do think you know you. Um, I don't know how to say this right, but I'll say it anyway. You know, you, you do have to have some level of humility as a leader. You know, uh, Jim mm-hmm. Collins writes. Collins is a, a you know he's, he's a very important person at Vanguard. We, we yes. got to spend some time yes. with Jim Collins in my history, but um, you know, he writes about this level five leader. And I love this. And arguably Collins right. is the, the best researcher of our time. Um, yeah. And he, he goes through all these, you know, who are these phenomenal leaders? Like there's a lot of good leaders, but what, what differentiates phenomenal leaders from good leaders? Yeah. Um, and he goes through all of these. Oh, are they charismatic? Are they like, no, one's charismatic, one's not. But, they, but statistically, these companies, these leaders have outperformed. Out- like, why? Why? He tries to tease it out. And I'll, I'll butcher it. So forgive me, Jim, for butchering this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but Jim College. Oh, forgive me. But the reality is there's two competencies, two okay. competencies. One is humility. And I think this speaks to, if you're gonna be successful as a leader in this new world, we just, we just talked about, you know, pandemic and, yeah. and flexibility, um, but, but you talk about innovation and and, lead, and leading today. If you're going to be a good, you need to know you don't know everything. That the good part of this is about listening and uh, and, and, and putting together teams and allowing the front lines to make the decisions that they're closest to and trusting people along the way so that that's that's one the second one which i love is grit ah. because yes you can, you can get knocked off your horse many times and i'm you know, if you're an it and or you're a cio yeah. or you're a developer you know this yes. that we fail <laughs> a lot and we yes. fall down a lot and we yes. get back up and get back up and get back up
0: and because you we to- care And you have to know how to fall correctly so you don't break your neck. (laughs) You know, it's just... It, it's all about that. I've got, my my granddaughters are over in Ireland and they're all learning to ride horses. And every time I see, every time I see one of the videos where they're bad, they're little itty bitty girls and they're bouncing around on these enormous beasts. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm one of those warriors. And I'm sort of like, oh my God, what are they gonna do if they fall? And one of them did, one of them fell off and she said, I landed right on my chest, Nana, And I just got right back up and I was just so thankful. <laughs> No. Um, right.
1: right. It's, it's that focus, though. It's that yeah. passion. Like, we, we talked about yes. innovation mm-hmm. for a second. And, uh, you know, where does innovation matter? It, you know, cross disciplines matter. What, you know, why the cross? That's where innovation generally occurs when, when disciplines come together, right? So, cross, cross functional teams do matter. Diversity mm-hmm. matters. If anyone wants to try it's to debate whether to diversity matters, it, that's over. It, we know that diverse teams make better decisions. Yes. Uh, but Collins also talks, you know, often about it—the hedgehog concept, which is what can you be best at? Yeah. What are you passionate about? And then what drives your economic engine? If you look at the intersection of all three of those things, mm-hmm. that's where you focus innovation. Don't try to be something you're not. You know, do some industry that you're not passionate about. You know, Vanguard's passionate about serving individual investors. At the end of the day, we are super passionate about. Yeah serving people. And we'll do that through other intermediaries. And, and, and we'll do that directly with a relationship. Um, and then the last thing is like, boy, tie the outcomes that you have if you're thinking about innovation to what's important to the company. Like, you know, it's really important to get focused, not to try to implement some technology for technology's sake. It's it's really to meet a business need or to deliver some set of capabilities.
0: Yeah. Well, we yeah. have another uh, fabulous yeah. question from our alert watching audience here. And I think you will love this one. Can you tell oh, us Tell us about that one thing that you brought back from the business to technology, because thankfully you came back. You came back as the global CIO (laughs) in 2012. We would have missed you at CIO Magazine and CIO.com if you hadn't. So you came back. And what was the one thing that you brought back from the business?
1: Yeah, uh, it'll sound funny. Um, Empathy. I brought back empathy. So... um,
0: (laughs) for the business or empathy for everybody
1: both this is what's great about rotational you know environments i like i I had a a a long time passion and still do of course for technology and i had come up the routes of technology for Mm -hmm. for a chunk of my career and then going to run the business and the PL and advice and, and even before that you know way back when six sigma for vanguard but the reality was like boy empathy that these things are complex um, and, you know so to me that's what I brought back now rotations you can bring a lot of things back I, I'll tell you now that if you can conv- can convince your organization yeah. um, around rotations especially for technology individuals to get out of technology into the business or business individuals to get into technology it gives you a broader view. Where, where else besides technology and corporate strategy actually? And in the business, do you get to see this broad view yeah. or global experience or meeting with clients face to face? You really want to get feedback? Mm-hmm. This is phenomenal. Go out and 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 go on sales calls, mm-hmm. go on prospect calls, go on client calls. Um, those things, those things matter. PL, you know, management matters and, and good general. Mm-hmm. And operations matter. So yeah. I think the biggest thing that I I took back I took all those things back. The biggest thing I took back was an empathy and an ability to see, you know, both sides of the same coin.
0: Yeah. Well, and I just, so I've had so many interviews like that over the years where CIOs went out and the first thing they, maybe they were a waste management business and they went out at five in the morning and drove around in the trucks and they could actually see, you know, what technology was working and what wasn't. And so it gave, it's not, I think it's even beyond empathy. I think it's connection too. It's that, that that human reaching across the aisle saying, ah, we get that. You know, we get that you have that problem. Um, I was thinking, too, about the effect of the pandemic and some of the questions it settled for us. And I've had so many CIOs tell me that the idea that remote workers wouldn't be productive has been completely settled. But the question I think is still open is how much remote Do we all want to live with you know the idea of coming back and I think hybrid work and more flexibility. I don't know if we're going to pick is any word is going to be the biggest word of all for the 2020s, it will probably be flexibility right empathy and flexibility, maybe.
1: I uh, I, I 100% agree.
0: Yeah. Let us pivot now to the big enterprise advice, the financial advice platform. This this new, I know, I know you love this topic and I think all the people that are getting advice from Vanguard these days love it too. This is when we think about the big business and technology um, issues and things that you're solving going forward, that advice platform is a very big and important new thing. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, and I think we can weave this into a couple, you know, stories of like, hey, it's not about technology for technology's sake and, right. you know, maybe maybe even the uh, Greenfield approach and, mm-hmm. you know, we did. So um, I would say first, you know, part of part of technology is, of course, deliver the strategy of the company. So three or a little over three years ago, Tim Buckley and I, and Tim was in his chief investment role. I was in, of course, this role. Mm-hmm. Um we, we had a chance to go pitch three charts to the board and we actually did the charts, you know, we did the charts, we drew them up on PowerPoint. They were nothing special. There were three oh. charts that, <laughs> three charts that basically talked about a goal of building a global advice platform where mm-hmm. Vanguard could, could enter new markets as nimbly as a startup. We said even better than a startup. Mm-hmm. So th- that's interesting. That was our, that was our pitch. Um, and the board said, go, go for it. Bill McNabb was a huge um, chairman at the time, a huge proponent of both technology and advice. Um, and over the last few years, we, we essentially did that. You know, um, we we proved that tech, we, we, we use technology to enable that strategy. So today, today, um, in new markets, think about it, in new markets, you can go into a new market for Vanguard or maybe a country you're launching, a direct advice market, financial advice market. Mm-hmm. And you can go in and build a startup team and that startup team can immediately hit the ground and get 85% reuse out of a global cloud native mm-hmm. platform for building the, in creating the building blocks for financial advice or for a website or for authentication or for data and analytics. Mm-hmm. All of those have been built out in a global platform. And Mary Fran, years ago, that wasn't possible. And, and think about it. The case for cloud-native platforms at Vanguard was made because of it enabled strategy, not because of resiliency, efficiency, costs. Right. We built a greenfield approach to solving one of the best ways, or one of the biggest initiatives, strategic initiatives we needed and wanted to have. Mm-hmm. So being able to launch in a country or being able to launch a new market is the power of, of technology and strategy being integrated. I think the second goal is today technology built through APIs, microservices, cloud technology, it, it's extensible. And, and why is that important? It, it's important because um, it creates optionality for the future. You know, um, if we wanted to share components of that platform or string the components up into an application and share it externally, we could do that. Now, that's not a strategy that we're actually attacking at this moment, but yeah. it creates optionality for things we haven't even dreamed of yet. And I, and I think I think it's worth talking about, like, even that article for the enterprisers about startups mm-hmm. and global companies. We This approach is differentiated. Startups don't hit the ground with 85% reusability. They don't hit the ground with a global company that's funded a global platform that you could reuse for uh, direct-to-consumer financial advice. Um, they don't start with a brand like Vanguard. They don't start with 30 million clients that you can listen to and learn from. They don't start with thousands of advisors who are giving advice today. Um, right. So arguably, arguably, we need to move at that pace, but leverage all of those capabilities yeah. of a large global company. And global companies, because of the legacy environments and their history, when global companies went, uh, you know, when they went global, when they went international, mm-hmm. they dropped seeds, they built data centers, they built capabilities, and they grew up independently often of of the, uh, you know, of the global company. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a different of approach. That, that, we, if we had to do this years ago, it wasn't possible. Technology, AI, ML, capabilities, cloud computing has allowed us to act like a startup, but to leverage the benefits of a global firm.
0: Yeah, well, and I know because I've, I've heard you say that often, that you'd much rather be doing this global advice platform from the kind sure. of global position and, and agility you have now than just being at a startup. Um, the Let me see. I wanted to move next to... Um, talking about uh we've talked a bit about agile and the lessons learned there and the mistakes you see people making um the that building an agile infrastructure is that are you seeing more of your colleagues approaching this in the same way or are, are you the only one having this idea or is this something that you're seeing <laughs> take, take hold with some of your other CIO colleagues who talk to you about these things?
1: There, there's nothing innovative about my, my uh, suggestions here. <laughs> nothing innovative. <laughs> there are, all the technology exists. I just, it just, a lot of times people get out ahead of themselves. So agile and lean and you know digital transformation, Often gets out ahead of it itself. You know, you, you've heard the stories of CIOs saying, "Okay, we're, we're going to be agile, and I, I, we're going to be agile in six months." And really, what that means is, then the IT organization, our technology groups, they try try to implement some best practices, mm-hmm. uh, but the reality is, they haven't integrated with the rest of the company. Uh, they certainly haven't changed their 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 budgeting processes or their HR processes, rewarding teams, and it's a failure. And it's a failure because you know you started with with something uh, that had an end date, and, it, and you're not living to those new ways of working principles. Mm-hmm. So lay out the objective and allow the organization to do it, and be there as a leader to clear the way. You know, yeah. so so often legal risk, you know, compliance they get mm-hmm. they get uh, they, they they get accused of being you know the no group
0: blockade, yeah. Make, yeah.
1: Yeah, but they're not. They're not. They're actually. They're. They're of course a protection group. They need to protect yes. the company. The reality is, we need to get them to be a yes and group. Yeah. Yes, and we need to do it this way. And in order right. to do that, getting th- that th- those organizations involved in the change upfront matters. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by it's an enterprise approach. But yes, I I think the agile infrastructure says. Your technology has to be ready to move fast. You yeah. can't build on a foundation that's weak.
0: Very, yes, of course. Very good point. I know it sounds obvious, doesn't it? But then- It having- sounds
1: obvious, but, but it doesn't. Right? Most things in well, life are obvious.
0: Are. Yeah. Well, when you look, you know,
1: hindsight's 2020. So when you look behind, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, like Vanguard made a lot of these mistakes.
0: yeah there you go and and we're still standing right um now i want to pivot now into talking about talent and talent acquisition strategies but before we get there we have a short easy question from our audience are there any must read books that you suggest for (laughs) aspiring cios i know you've dropped jim collins name a few times um i've heard i've heard other cios talk about simon sinek and oh, some, yeah. of, some of his books. So when, if you think of any one or even two, I'll give you two must read books for CIOs. Cause I know you're also a reader. So oh, yeah. what, would you, what would you guide people to?
1: Well, I would, you know, so a couple things, you know, Simon Sinek, start with the why, like you, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. that phenomenal. Those are good books for sure. You want to read those, you know, if you're thinking more from a technology perspective, I think uh, ask your developers. <coughs> wow. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Ask your developers in a software mindset. It's about listening to consumers, rapid iteration, feedback. I think it's written by Jeff Lawson. Okay. Uh, Carol DeWitt, uh wrote the growth mindset. We we talked about grit. Uh, it's about yes. the love of learning and grit that you need to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge, wonderful book. Working backwards by Bill Carr. You know, keeping the end in mind from Amazon, like that. Those th- those books are phenomenal, and if if you're not a book reader, um, you know, I, I, if you ask me, my iPod, uh, you know, this uh, mm-hmm. is going to be like you know A sixteen Z from Andreessen Horowitz. I love that. Sorry, but I just I do I love those 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 uh, those, those podcasts. Podcasts, uh, yes. Yeah, Dak Shepard, the armchair expert. That that they're mm-hmm. all on my. So if you get, went through my book list and my iPod list, that's what. Yeah. My, yeah. Well, that's great.
0: And I think listening to a book, I think in some ways you almost pay more attention than when you read it. Because I do both. I read them. I actually still get books out of the library. I've had so many, so many CIOs make fun of me over the years when they discover that. Uh, But I do. I get I read library books. I read books on Kindle and I listen to a lot of different books um, as well. And I know that. It it's just it's you're absorbing information from all these different directions. So those are some those are some great suggestions. I have been.
1: Go ahead. ahead. What have you been? What have you been? been?
0: I have been telling everybody to listen to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast. It's because she gets in there interviewing. All these different business book authors—it's this amazing way to not only find out what's in a wonderful business book—and there's a lot of human and emotional and, and dealing with people issues because that's of course her specialty. Uh, she's a social and emotions researcher, the original, the the person who made it okay to be vulnerable, you know. And um, she does a wonderful podcast, and she interviews all these wonderful. And then I end up wanting to read the books themselves. So, but what were you well, going to say? <laughs> No,
1: no. I'm just going to comment on Renee Brown. Like it, huge followership at Vanguard. Vulnerability. We talked about um, humility. Uh, yeah. But yeah. you you can't you can't even even with the way you manage teams. You know, five dysfunction of a uh, of a team years ago, years ago by mm-hmm. uh, Patrick You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't create trust without vulnerability. And I she just she has a huge followership here. Uh, couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. OK. All right. Now, let me pivot back to that talent question, because yeah. I know you and I have talked about this quite a bit, especially recently. And from past conversations, I know that you take advantage of everything. The university recruiting, you work with startups. Uh, you're yep. very interested in diversity leaderships. Give us kind of the way that how you're approaching it now and what sort of things you especially wish everybody was doing.
1: Well, and I'm going to start because I do think there's a lot here and and it's a really Mm -hmm. rich topic. I I want to start with like, because you get asked a lot, like, well, how do you win the talent race? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm going to go, I'll go through a bunch of things, you know, that Vanguard has done uh, to get from recruiting. And then we'll maybe talk a little bit about retention and the importance of diversity, equity and inclusion and and walking Mm -hmm. the talk and having action those things actually matter tremendously. But I will say, if you had a short elevator pitch, the way we win is because this company is a mission-based organization. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean that. I mean, today, everyone who's looking for a job, especially uh, students coming out of universities mm-hmm. or high school, they, they want to do good. Like, yeah. they they want to do good. and and. And if you have a passion for technology and a passion for investments, mm-hmm. then you want to you know, go to bed at night knowing that you're helping people like like Vanguard's mission, very simple mission, give people the best chance of investment success. The company is organized because it's not owned by, it's not public and it's not private. It's actually in the investment community unique to the sense that it's owned by its shareholders. And it's or it's investors. So you, Mary Friend, you own Vanguard.
0: I do, which is a small piece, but I do.
1: <laughs> which which yeah which, you, know, you do you do, but you own Vanguard because you're you're an owner, and that drives everything. That drives mm-hmm. this client first mentality, and the company is a profit company, and all the profit goes through the company, and the, the larger Vanguard gets, the more scale. Mm-hmm. We then. the profits like a dividend back to our investors and we lower the cost of investing. So we lower the cost of advice, we lower the cost of the funds, the ETFs. We lower the cost of investing for you. That's Mm -hmm. the way the company is built. So we attract people who want to give back and the way they want to give back is they're a CFA or they're an investment technology professional and they love investments. Um, or they're an AI engineer, and they, they want to use AI to help people with debt management because the people mm-hmm. who need advice can't get advice because they're not the hunted in the industry. So oh. I would start like that purpose, mm-hmm. your purpose matters. Simon Sinek, start with a why, by the way. We'll cover mm-hmm. that if you want to read the book. All right. So you want to talk about like how to attract talent and some of the things that we're uh, yeah. Well,
0: especially, especially these new ways to attract talent, because you you do all the expected things. And because I I know we had a conversation recently with uh, the organization I've started working with, the National Cyber Scholarship Foundation, and we ended up talking about um, all of the different ways we can get more diverse candidates interested even in technology.
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally, and and so I, I think one is, hey, how do you, you know, from an attraction standpoint, you know, look for opportunities. For us, as an mm-hmm. example, I did a video uh, with Christy Edling Day, who uh, runs our financial advisor and in our institutional business. She's the CIO for those divisions. Um, we did a nice, uh, we did a nice video with Handshake. Now, Good. Handshake is a startup. Uh, Their mission, by the way, isn't like, hey, we want to give companies the best talent. Their mission is we want to give students the best opportunity, regardless of your zip code, regardless of your background, regardless of whether an employer comes to your campus or your campus is so small that employers Mm -hmm. don't. How do we we give people that best chance to get started on a career? And I think... That's mission aligned. You know why, why Vanguard Handshake? That's the same mission. We have the same mission. Give investors the best chance of investment success. Okay. So to me, try things like that. They have tremendous reach and they are finding mission aligned uh, you know, individuals yes. uh, from all different aspects. Um, you talked about diversity. So you have to be at places. Grace Hopper is a huge event uh, for women in mm-hmm. technology huge event for us. Afrotech has 20,000 members, you know, lesbians who tech, you know, like you have to be in those places and uh, telling your story and and they matter. Mm -hmm. And then I guess one of the things I would say too is community matters. Look for the win-wins. You know, how can you do good in the community and at the same time, you know, advance your attraction, advance your diversity a trans, you know advance your, your technology as a company. How can you do that? What's the win-win? And there are organizations like Step It Up America. It's run by UST and focuses on underrepresented communities, sometimes a lot of times women in underrepresented communities and reskilling them for tech. Mm-hmm. Um, Launch code, I happen to be on the board of the Philadelphia chapter of Launch Code. they just launched in Philly. Nonprofit, it's free technical education and job readiness training. For, for individuals. Yeah. Uh, P- P-TECH focuses on areas where high school graduation is an issue. Yes. So it's a six-year program. It's four years of high school and two years, mm-hmm. essentially, community college you know, focused on technology. So now we're at the high school level. Code Differently is at elementary school code camps. And then That's even cool. AutoCon, uh, where you have technical consultants who are somewhere on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Those things are win-wins. They are yeah. win-wins because you get the best talent and they're eager to, to help They're mission aligned mm-hmm. and you're, you're changing our communities
0: well and we're finally bringing more uh, a much broader diversity of thought into all of these conversations and it just oh. it it makes such a difference and it's um i i think it's wonderful that you do that i keep being surprised by how you, uh, the the misconceptions there are about like technology and even cybersecurity careers that you need to have a master's degree from a huge university to get the interest of corporate, you know, big companies well-known around the world like Vanguard. And that is just the opposite is true, isn't it? There's just a whole range. Yeah. The um, Let us, let me see, I will check and see if we have any more questions from our very alert audience before I get to ask you my favorite follow-up question, which is your, oh good, it's your leadership advice, and I especially, I want you to tell that story about you sitting down with Jack Vogel when he was promoting you, so, so anyway, it was actually Jack Brennan. Jack Brennan. Oh, so Brent, sweet, Brent. so Van, Vanguard's only had
1: four. Jack, Vanguard's has four uh, chairmen. Jack Bogle yeah. was the founder. Jack Brennan, Bill McNabb, and now Tim Buckley. Okay. So I, I know the story you're you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I'll try to and I'll try to be quick because I'm thinking we only have a few minutes right now. Yeah. So uh, uh, somewhere along your career you're asked to do something that you think you are wildly unprepared for or may not be in the perfect direction that you thought. And I, I'll give you this example, and it sounds really simple, but I learned from this example to take a leap of faith and to go to do things even in the businesses. So uh, this was uh, a few months before 9-11. Uh, Bob Stefano, who's arguably Vanguard's uh, greatest chief information officer, mm-hmm. passed away. When Bob passed away, I want to say he was in his early 50s, from unexpectedly from a heart attack, we were all then reporting to the chairman, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Brennan. I was in my destination job. I was running a group of, it was institutional technology, and wow. it was fun because the large large technology group doing some great things, but you'd go meet with clients uh mm-hmm. on, on the technology and the salespeople would actually if you could talk like i can you could yeah. actually salespeople would, yeah that would take you the fact that it would take you to prospecting meetings and stuff yeah. like that so it was it was my destination job i loved it you were and
0: nice. um, so
1: I, I was having fun and, yeah. and, Jeff and Brenna, i think it was like hey call me and say hey can you be here like seven in the morning and i have mm-hmm. some news for you and i knew what the news was i mean i've never confessed this so please everyone keep this a secret <laughs> uh, I knew what the, I knew what the news was I thought we were going to get a new chair of course we're not all going to report to the chair we're going to get a new global CIO okay. and that global CIO was going to be my peer at the time Tim Buckley who's now my chairman so mm-hmm. there's a lot of funny stories to this mm-hmm. so I went home I practiced in the mirror I'm like okay Jack's gonna tell me I have a new uh, boss it's Tim Buckley and I started saying okay Jack Uh, Tim Buckley he's great Tim and I have been peers I've seen what he's been doing early on in the web it's incredible he's gonna be he's a great leader I'm really excited thank you for the three months reporting to you I learned a ton and thank Mm -hmm. you for telling me Mm -hmm. so I I go down with Jack Brennan and we're sitting at a stable in in an office real early in the morning he says hey look I have some news um you're gonna get a, a new boss it's gonna be Tim Buckley I'm like Jack Tim Buckley, fabulous guy. I saw what he's doing on the web. Loved him. He's going to be great in this job. You know, I really appreciate telling me, uh, you know, in person. And by the way, Jack, I learned so much from you over the three months, the last three months. And I started to get up. And he's like, oh, "No, sit down. I'm not done. And you're getting a new job. And he told me this is now after 9-11 financial services. You're going from application development to run infrastructure at Baylor. And I fell apart. I'm like, Jack. I know.
0: Please, God, no. I
1: won't say the word. I Crap. But it's not exactly what I said. Jack, I know. Crap about infrastructure. This is the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy. (laughs) And I started lecturing the chairman about the difference between infrastructure, hardware, and software, and why I was the wrong person. And finally, Jack just says, he's like, listen, it's the largest budget. You're the right guy. You'll go and learn. You'll go and learn. It's a really important time, too. We have to understand you know, disaster recovery, and John, this is, we're having faith in you. And right there, I thought, oh, what a lesson. What a lesson. I had prepared for one conversation, but I fell apart in the other. It's about taking a leap of faith. I learned a ton over the next three and a half years about building data centers and infrastructure, and you know, and the reality, it just trained me to take the leaps that I did to the business and and back to IT. So it was a great lesson by, by Jack Brennan.
0: I love, well, and I love that idea that at some point he had to lean over to you and say, if I needed your opinion about this, I would have
1: asked you. I left that part, I think I left that part out, like he did. He was like, (laughs) if I wanted your opinion, I would have asked. Jack won't remember (laughs) this, But I remember those words because I thought, oh my God, I screwed this up. So anyway.
0: (laughs) Oh no! He's oh! I just smat, snatched what is that? That's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't see it as a victory. You thought, oh no! I'm in my dream job. Leave me alone. And then,
1: but. and again, the power the power of someone having faith in you and giving you opportunity yeah. well well beyond your capabilities, probably. But.
0: Yes. Well, I think you reflect that in everything that you do. And as always, it's been an absolute delight having you here today. Thank you so much for doing this on a on a Wednesday afternoon in the middle of July. We were so lucky to get you. And thank you so much for being a, a guest here on CIO Leadership Live with us.
1: My pleasure, Mary Fran, and always great to reconnect.
0: It really is. Now, if you joined us late today, you can watch the full episode later today, right here on LinkedIn, but also on CIO.com and YouTube's IDG tech talk channel. Leadership live is also available as an audio podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And i hope you enjoyed today's conversation with john Marconti, the global cio for vanguard even half as much as i did leadership live is going to be taking a break for the rest of the summer so we'll off for the month of august i think we're trying to pretend we all live in europe but we will be back in september with some more inspiring conversations with a great lineup of chief information and digital officers Thanks again to our friends at Cisco for sponsoring today's episode and do take a moment to subscribe to us on that YouTube channel, IDG Tech Talk, where you can actually find all of the previous shows, which is at this point, more than 75 in-depth interviews with CIOs. I keep talking it up as something incredibly bingeable. So if you're looking for beach listening over the summer, then by all means, join us. Stay well and we'll see you again in September. Thanks so much.
1: This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.